Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Simply PHP. We are live. <laughs> Hello. Hey guys. Hi. Hi everybody. That's right. We are here in Montreal on Peel Street. The whole company is here today. Everyone came to work. Just a little shout out to uh, to everyone. All right. <laughs> The first question is from Malcolm in New York City. He wants to know the benefits of Lerma. Mm. Oh, I'll open great. the floor. Open the floor. Wow. Yeah. Who wants to start with well, that? I guess I'll, I'll get on yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Laravel. Laravel is, uh, as you know, is a PHP framework. And um, the beautiful thing about it is that it comes on pre-installed with a lot of um, functionalities that you would find um, very useful in your development process. Um, for example, it, it comes with um, middlewares which you use to target um, requests um, that are incoming to your applications. Um, it's, it comes with features like um, Eloquence, which is an ORM um, helper class that allows you to be able to modify how you interact with your models um, versus your databases and um, so much other features. Um, for example, queuing and uh, mail templates. It comes with a, a lot of functionalities and as well, um, the, the Blade Templating Systems, which allows you to use PHP to develop your front-end view, and it also interacts perfectly with your back-end. So there's so many benefits to using um, Laravel, and they're constantly updated. I think as of uh, we're speaking right now, they have, uh, I think, 6.2 or 6.3. It, 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 it keeps, it's an active um, community that constantly works on it, so it's always up to date on the latest some technologies out there, so it is highly recommended, and that is why it's our go-to for most of the projects that we do here at Simply PHP. I have a, a follow-up question to that. Do you feel yeah. that Laravel is contributing to the domination of PHP? Because, let's say, for example, Laravel didn't exist. I'm not sure PHP would continue to be so dominant as it is now as it continues to be, Laravel um, seemed to kind of blow everyone else out of the water. Um, it it's the, the, thing, the thing with um, um, that is that PHP itself is, is, uh, is a great um, language. And I think it's the, the fact that Laravel uh, is built on top of it, that Laravel exists in itself, it's, it's great um, for the PHP community. But with that said, um, PHP is, is a dinosaur of its own in, in the sense that it's, um, there's other frameworks that are out there that are, are just as um, beautiful as um, Laravel, for example. We have obviously Symfony, the Zen frameworks, um, mm -hmm. just to name a few. So there are other frameworks out there that do a lot of great work. It's just that for us, we, we appreciate the fact that Laravel comes with so many features that we find beneficial for our projects. That is why we go ahead and we utilize it. With such a great community and documentation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's the thing that I really got um, impressed at first when I saw Laravel about four or five years ago. Mm -hmm. It's the level of documentation they have, yeah. even at time. Yeah. We started with Laravel, we were one of the first uh, buy-ins on Laravel, I think Pretty it was much. 2012, right? Yeah. Uh, 2012, 2013, something like that? Yeah, it's maybe five years, six years ago. Yeah. Not exactly that was true, a great. But that was a great yeah. decision. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think for me, I remember that my first delve into uh, um, Laravel, I think I was on 4.2 or so, and okay. uh, I was blown away with the fact that you, um, a, a lot of the times, like coming from a, a place where I was manually using like standard um, 
PHP where you had to do a lot of the functionalities yourself um, to have a framework that allows you to easily create an API which is uh, it, it can be complex if you're trying to create that um, the, the whole um, application from the scratch and mm -hmm. to be a, to, to jump into an application that has a lot of functionalities ready made for you so you, you essentially just the, the ingredients are there for you you just mix it how you want to mix it it was such saves a, a lot of time oh yeah it saves a lot yeah. So, um, a lot of time and money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the next question comes from Alexis in California. She wants to know why, when I make simple changes to my website, does it cost me so much in web development? That's a good question for her. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> Just to make a, put some context to it, uh, I work mainly with Magento. And Magento is now to like, uh, oh, I just want to make a small change. And it become like uh, two weeks of pain and just like. Um, basically, it's mostly a lot of elements. When, when you do software development, you try to like, like make everything uh, independent from themselves. Yeah. You know, like everything is a module, so like you can mm -hmm. plug and play if you want it. If yeah. you don't want it, you can remove it and try to not you know breaks things up when you move things around. Yeah. Problem is sometime with constraint like time, resources, budget, whatever, um, things can be things can become messy, uh, things can become complicated too because big software sometimes require like it's, it's basi basically the Titanic, you know, like oh there's an iceberg. Yeah, yeah, I want to move the ship but it's it's big, you know, it's hard to manage and try to move it around. So what happened in those cases even if it seems small to you, it's like the tip of the iceberg. Sometimes there's a lot of interconnection behind it, like maybe multiple databases, multiple systems, and speaking to each other. Um, that's the kind of thing that, like, if for a human being you see, oh, you see your screen, is, oh, there's something like, I want to change just that small thing. Yes, but that small thing can have like 10, 20, 30 connections to different modules, different things around. And sometimes it's just like the logic that you as a human use is not the same logic as a computer use. Mm -hmm. And like a, a, even like I've been a dev for like I don't know like 10, 15 years, and even sometimes it's like oh I can't do it in like two days, you know. Yeah. And four days later, and it's like yeah. <laughs> is it is it is it um, reasonable to say that it's usually predictable? Like if uh, it, her name is Alexis. From New yes. York? Yeah. So if Alexis has that request, um, is it reasonable to say that the developer should know how much time it's going to take? Or, or is it kind of like, you know, you're feeling in the dark and yeah, you're not 100% sure? Like, uh, let's give like another example. You have a, oh, a house, okay? And you want to renovate stuff. Mm -hmm. you, know, you have a wall, yeah, there's some, supposed to be some wires and plumbing and stuff behind it. You know? But before you open the wall, sometimes it's just like, you don't really know, you think you know. Mm -hmm. But then you open the wall and just like, why the wire is like that? Why the plumbing is going that way? Okay. Why there's no valve? Why? And then you find like all construction issue, like, oh, the, the woods playing are just like, mm. not the right, you know, like okay. all so that kind of stuff that sometimes, and sometimes some dev, you know, like uh, even myself, I can, we try to be humble or capacity, but sometimes it's like, I can't do it. 
I'm Rambo, man. I can go to war and do <laughs> yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and you and you like to do that. And then you open the box and just like, oops, no. So yeah. sometimes it's more about being like try to manage expect expectation. And one easy yeah. trick to manage that is mostly like how many unknowns that you have. You know, like can you count them? Like can you make a list of like do you really know that? Yeah. Oh, I think it's I think it's not good enough. You think, but maybe it's, that's wrong. And mm. As you add all those wrong together and like, oh, I, I don't know this, I don't know this, I don't know this. If you have 10 unknowns and you're all wrong on all of those, that's a lot of issue that you have to solve first before but you can solve your main issue yeah. that you want to change. There, there's, a, there's a thing I'd like to bring up once in a while. Sure. Uh, I'm going to share the link in the comments on, uh, on LinkedIn. Um, it's called the Offstater Law. And it, stay, it stays basically it always takes longer than you expect, even when you take into account the off-stater law. And, and uh, this was in 79, and um, uh, basically to describe widely experienced difficulty in a, uh, of accurately estimating the time it takes to complete a task or subsection. Mm -hmm. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, this guy was in, in computer or yeah, something like that. But it, it's true. like. There's so many things that you cannot foresee, you cannot plan for, you can hope, you can by experience say. Yeah. But yeah, so I think just to add to that, um, it's, it, it is a scenario where you have um, and something that you based on experience, because more for us here, we're like, we've, we've been dealing with PHP and um, different kinds of applications for a long time. So based on our experience, we can say, okay, this is um, what we, the term we use is approximate eff, um, yeah, effort. Um, this is the approximate effort it would take for us to be able to deliver this. However, what we also do is that we know based on this Hofstadter law that you can never really fully say that this is actually going to take this amount of time. So what we do is that we always try to constantly update the customer, um, let them know at each point. We, we set up scrum meetings if necessary. We, we schedule calls um, in order to be able to say... Um, give live um, updates um, yeah. so the choice can be made in terms of saying okay do we continue how do we proceed from here based on what it is that we discovered mm. you open the bag and oops <laughs> it wasn't <laughs> what you expected you know so how do you proceed and that is how um, we, we, we manage um, projects and I and think yeah go, go for uh, it. And, and you know the, one of the good way to, to not have any surprise will actually cost you a lot of money up front so basically, if you take the time to open the hood and analyze every single detail, you have to pay for that time anyway. Also, when you build an estimate, if you really want to have something so accurate, yeah. then you're talking about an architecture design, mm -hmm. which takes days and days and days to build. Yeah. So when you analyze first and then you actually build an architecture design with diagram and all of that, yeah. you ended up spending weeks on something and you have to pay for that time in order to get just no surprise. So when yeah. you just work right away on something, yeah. you very likely you're gonna spend less time than if you would have spent that time up front and accomplished the work. Yeah. You know, so it's just that it it's untangible, you cannot really see it. You yeah. would have to build the same project uh, in one way in order and to do a fair comparison. Exactly and have the exact comparison, but yeah. by experience. You're gonna save time and money this way. Yeah. Also, like because I have something else to add, it's um, there's a thing. It's like I would say I call it like knowledge over time. Yeah. It's because a lot of people, you know, like when they start, I want to do this, okay, 
and they want like a, a deadline or an objective. I want this in one month, two months, three months, and like. But the thing is, like, that's like a paradox. I would say is like the point in time where you know the less of the project is like that first day, you know. Mm -hmm. And as you work on that project, as you discover it, as you speak, and as you trying to understand things, as the time goes on, you you get that knowledge. You learn that new stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. And at that point, as you get more knowledge, you're able to be do better estimate, better understand what's happening. Mm -hmm. But then, like, if you say, I'm going to do that in one month, yeah, but like three weeks later, you know a lot more, and you should say, oh, I should have said two months because it's bigger than I thought. Mm -hmm. But that's the thing, it's like try to find a, a way to like balance yeah. the, the knowledge over time spot. that you acquire. Yeah. And that's why sometimes, like, like uh, Andrew said, it's like you estimate, like, maybe, two to four weeks but you keep constant communication to yeah. like it's important to keep people updated like okay like one week later is it going as good as you thought is it going to be worse or just like but keep the com communication open so yeah. in one week it's like oh hey it's going well maybe it's going to be three weeks and then two weeks later oh we have that big issue <laughs> you know, like but at least we can adjust the estimate as time goes on and like as the knowledge goes up we're able to like be more precise on uh, what we yeah. want to accomplish and what's going to uh, take us work. Yeah. Okay. In relation to what has just been said, um, one thing, um, one thing that is a problem in in any developer world is the micromanagement, mm -hmm. because you know there's um, what what Abraham Lincoln said. Um, give me six hours to chop down a tree and I will spend the first four sharpening the axe, is totally applicable for devs. It, 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 it's the reality, and that's why we often say that they're gonna, they're gonna look, investigate, think for 60, 70% of the time, and then they're gonna code for 30%, 40% of the time. That's exactly that. And if they keep being interrupted, if they keep being micromanaged, it interrupts that creativity so. flow. And the, guy, and the dev has to restart again, over and over again. And um, if you want to talk about you know, extra costs and, 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 and delays, here's one of the major responsibility you know, in the dev environment. Next question is from Walter in Pennsylvania. How does the estimation process work for web development projects? I find them very uh, different between companies. Hmm. <laughs> the thing is, it goes back to what we said to the last question. Yeah. You know, it's like the thing is like every company have different experience with different software, different like basically all developer have their own experience, you know, work experience, and it's hard because like sure if you start okay, there's two type of project. The one you start from scratch yeah. that can be a lot easier to estimate. You know, like based on what the, the the client will have as a, a spec specification for like I want this, I want this, I want this, and then try to estimate on that. And based on different experience, yeah. you're going to get maybe a nice total. But it goes back again to what we talked earlier. You know, like like the knowledge over time, like the point where you know the less about the project is at the beginning, and then as you progress with it, you know, like when a project when it starts, okay, you think you have it all right, but then one month later, two months later, some requirement can change, some stuff can happen. So that's can, that can be the kind of thing that can differ between some company because some 
company will maybe not account for that. Mm-hmm. Other will account for that. So it's like on that part, I would say like it's best to just like discuss with the company, trying to understand what are their, their own process, their yeah. own thinking. And uh, you know, it's not because the, the number is lower or higher, it's not a score, you know, it's not a high score. It's just yeah. like at the end, you just want to find a company that's just going to work with you, listen to your needs and try to match your business with needs with like the technical needs that you want and try to do their best at that. And then there's a project that uh, you, you get, you know, like already live with all kinds of whatever happened in there. And then you discover, and that kind of project, it's like, it's sure, like you have a e-commerce with Magento, just taking Magento as an example, but you have a commerce with Magento. I work with different e-commerce with Magento, and you think, oh, it's another Magento. Yeah, but like people can do so many things different in different ways and different mindset. And then you open this is like, sometimes first thing is like, what happened? what happened there and trying to understand all that, that those things but that's the thing like there's so many different paths to get to what you want you want to exactly. get done exactly that when you open the hood you have to figure out which path the guy took it's not like a car you open the hood you know how it's supposed to be and you you can work you can change the engine <coughs> if you need but when it's not the case when like, like, like in development there's 20 different paths you could have took and every developer has his own style Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if sometimes you have standards, like imagine too, you have standards, like Ravel too, you have standards, like the core libra- library are just like working that way. Mm-hmm. Then you open it, somebody hack the library. You know, like it's not working as it's supposed to be. That engine is not supposed, to, it doesn't work how it's supposed to be. And you're just like, okay, this is unknown, something new just pop up in your face. Just, okay, yeah. we need to revise everything and try to understand what happened there. Because I'm pretty sure they did that for a good reason. I'm pretty sure of that. But what is the reason? If there's no documentation, if there's no well, comments in the code, anything that just adds so much more to just trying to understand what's happening. It's, it's the context too. What context yeah. the developer was in. And, and that is a problem also from a developer to another because even sometimes within their own, um, from a developer to another, they don't take the time to think about what I'm wondering, like, okay, it looks not good. It really doesn't look good, and and I'm wondering what context this guy was in, you know. Mm. But upfront, like we have projects here that some any anyone would look inside and be like, "Oh the heck!" But there was a context to it. There's always a context to it. Yeah, it's it's important to 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 assume that. Yeah, yeah. It's just sometimes it's like archaeology. You find fossils in the the ground, and just like what happened, you know? and. It's not, it's not in that bad way, it's more like you have to understand that without having mm. other information and that sometimes can make it hard. You know? yeah, yeah. In, in my opinion, to, to address Walter's uh, original question, I think that in, in development on the business side, um, estimates, if a company does even provide them, is, yeah. is a guideline. Mm. It's, it's, it's a guideline that you need to use, but I think the common theme in the answers here is communication. So if you're looking for an estimate in estimate in, in concrete on a, on a code base that you're asking a new developer who's never seen it before provide you with an estimate, honestly, no matter what they say, it should be treated as a guideline. And you need to have regular meetings every one or two days. You need to say, okay, 
feature number one that we asked for that you had estimated to be two weeks, where are you reached on it after two days? How are you feeling? What's, are you hitting any obstacles? Are you hitting any roadblocks? That's the only way you're going to get through that project because people can provide you estimates. Um, a lot of times they're just guessing, you know, how long is it going to take you to clean out your garage? I don't know. It's probably going to take me a day. It ends up taking you three hours, right? So it, there, there's so many, there's so many factors, but the, the regular communication, whether it's daily, every two days, three times a week, yeah. is the only thing that's going to give you peace, and peace of mind and make you realize if you're going to stay on budget or not. Yeah, that's my two cents. And up front, anyone who works on an estimate has to assume that he's going to be wrong in some ways. Yeah. And he's, yeah, he's estimating the unknown as well. But I understand a business owner asking for an estimate because they want to see if it's in their budget. Yeah. Uh, but there's huge wild cards and unknowns. Yeah. But a, a diligent person will meet daily with their development team yeah. or every two days with their development team where you reached. Oh, you know what? That thing that I said it was going to take me two weeks, it's already done. Okay, great. Yeah. Or there's no way it's going to be done in two weeks. You should know right away. So you but can even, even with our internal ERP, at first, well not even that, but before some of the project I've been involved in, I was like that too. Like, okay, I'm, someone tells me five days, it takes seven, and I'm like, what the heck? Now, it's mm -hmm. for me, it, after years of realizing, uh, it took me years to realize that. And now it's more like, here's the feature, how long you need? About 10 days. Cool. Because I want to know, is it months or is it a few days? If it's just a few days, I'm cool with that. Yeah. If, if, if we're developing a map uh, feature on, on the CRM like we did, and we, I, I, if I would have been told it would take six weeks, that might be expensive for what we're going to do with it. Yeah. If, if you have this mindset, yeah. you're good. You're good. But if you have the mindset of, it's, take, it, it's supposed to take 10 days and it takes 11 and you get nervous, you're going to fail. Mm. On the same kind of topic, oh. <laughs> similar. Is this uh, an Chase, estimate podcast? Uh, well, it, it's not an estimate, Seems but Chase from Georgia asked, what's your strategy for accomplishing projects on budget and on time? Uh, we sort of discovered it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. communication. Communication yeah. and managing the expectation is the key. Right on, right on. Next time, run these questions by me. <laughs> uh, they come in live. They come in live. Oh, that's yeah. well, they come in live. Oh, I'm sorry. And also forgot. emails forgot and uh, all and, sorts um, of stuff. I guess um, from a developer perspective, um, just to go on that question yeah. that I just asked, um, I think it's the responsibility of the developer um, to make sure that your, your project is on time. So um, personal experience, um, what I do is I say, okay, the project is supposed to, is, is estimated for 10 days. I give myself a personal deadline of eight days. Yeah. Uh, reason for that is just so that I'm, I have a deadline that I'm working towards that is a, that is closer to that's um, a, a little closer than the actual deadline. Mm -hmm. That way, um, I, I I can for day one I know this is what I need to do. For day two, this is what I need to do. So spread it out to according to the, the personal deadline that you give yourself, and try as much as possible to meet each of the targets that you have for the day. Mm -hmm. um, if you can do that. Um, 
day one it doesn't if it's, it's supposed to take you eight hours but then you, you have to spend an extra hour in order for you to meet the target of day one i would suggest that you do that um day two similar things you can find that on day three you actually instead of eight hours you have you you you, you, you completed your task in four hours then you have an, an extra four hours to to begin work for for a day five or day yeah. four day five so that way um when you 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 plan yourself as a developer um and you you you're able to meet the, your targets um for your personal deadline that way you're always sure that you're going to be able to meet the customer's deadline as well of course uh, you see now and and this is the thing now when chase asked that question i need to know where's the deadline and the budget coming from mm. okay so like in your example, you're saying, if the deadline is 10 days, I'll work on getting it to eight days. Yeah. Did the deadline come from the boardroom, from mm -hmm. non-technical people that are just saying, well, our budget's 10 days, so yeah. hey, you gotta get this done in 10 days? Yeah. Or did the 10 days come from you? Mm -hmm. right? And I think that's important uh, to, to answer Chase's question. True. Is like, because I've seen a lot of times where a development team or a programmer will come up with a deadline and then the boardroom, the client, um, if they're not technical, might say, well, you know what, that's not our budget. We don't, we don't have that. Yeah. And so it's important not to change the estimate according to what the boardroom says, oh, right? Yeah. <laughs> Very important. Yeah. yeah. Good job, guys. But in your example, just a small follow-up, in your example, was it, was it you that set the 10-day Oh uh, no! Like the, it was we, set to you. I mean, um, sent it, to you? in in, the, in this scenario, it it has been estimated. Um, I actually did the estimate. Okay, beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. Okay, just making I did sure. The, the, the ten day estimate. That is what. Because you normally hit your estimates, so it's curious to uh, <laughs> curious to find out. Okay, <laughs> hear that guy's life. Yeah, <laughs> you <my> estimates. <laughs> YouTube, right. YouTube, Bruno. YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> I always delegate them. Uh, <laughs> Alyssa from Tennessee wants you to know, up? how do I prevent, how do I prevent technical debt for my business? Oh, that's a nice one. Uh, that's like, yeah. I can jump on that. Okay. Yes, Bruno. Yeah, you seem excited about it. Yeah. You want to drink our water first? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You want a shot? Like we have some, uh, I have some ramen whiskey. Okay. <laughs> Like, okay, there's no good way, okay, because if you're a business, even you're profitable and like you're going to use debt as a leverage, you know, so you're going like still going to borrow to make uh, investment, anything like, sorry if you pay your groceries with that, that's bad, you know, but basically every business will need to use debt as a leverage to move forward. We're talking about technical debt. Right? Yeah, I know, okay. I know. I, okay. I'm just, you know, Perfect. I'm starting with that. Oh, know? okay. Good. <laughs> when you jump with software, okay, as a dev, like, hey, if I have all the time in the world to make everything clean, everything commented, everything documented, like, uh, would be a, like, perfect world. That's not the world we have. No? So what happens is when you start a project, it's mostly like you're going to have technical debt. I'm sorry, like, that's going to happen. If you like, get the best programmer, you get Bill Gates and Steve Jobs, well, not Steve Jobs, but sorry, but like, you know, you get all the best people, it's still going to happen. Because to like, for budget constraints, for like uh, the feature you want to develop, or the, the, the client, or the, your market, whatever, you're going to have some time to push forward. And it's a matter of like, how much technical debt can you tolerate 
to put in your project and try to not like ground yourself for that. You know, like for sure, if you're like, okay, guys, we have like, we have to deliver this. Perfect. You get the dev team making a big effort for one, two weeks. Okay, let's put that live. No one that's on production. Perfect. You push that. Okay. That's done. Remember, like once that's done, don't jump on the next crunch and next emergency and next next fire for like the next six months over and over again because you're not going to keep control on technical well, that's you know? thing, yeah. it's about take, keeping control of that like your house like you start borrowing for a car for like everything and you get yourself out of control that's when bad things happen if you're able like as a i don't know what your job is but like as a marketing person as owner business owner is that whoever it is if you say okay let's push forward then pay back that debt to at some point mm -hmm. you know like refactor the stuff take a debt just like hey can you we did some bad things in that file then just go clean that up you know yeah. like there's a there's a there's a thing i keep well okay that's that's my belief in non-scientific or scientific belief that is for every 75 percent for every 75% of new feature development, you need to spend 25% of refactoring and adapting. And exactly. And, and, and that, is, um, that is a problem too, because for most people, it, they believe it's just an expense, right? Yeah, but like, yeah, at, at some point, for sure you can tolerate that for like maybe one year, two years. At some point, it's going to be unbearable. But oh, it's it, catching but, you up. Yeah, and you're not going to feel it right away, especially if you're not like in the dev team. The dev team going to like, hey man, that's this broken, this is like, and then at some point, just like, hey, we're like, we're not reaching out our deadline, everything is so slow, it's mm -hmm. been two mm -hmm. months, we did that, and yeah. like, what's happening, and then you're telling, oh, the dev are not good, what? no, it's because that debt is become is becoming too big. Multiple times we saw clients in the past years that were not refactoring along the way, and in order to just adapt and refactor just in a way to make it stable, actual, would take two, three months of work. Mm. Yeah, because it's going to accumulate with interest. The more you, so the more you borrow, that, yeah. yeah. The longer you wait, the bigger the cost is and bigger the interest. Well, it's, 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 it's understandable too, you know. Yeah. If you have a business owner and you push life, you push the pride, all his dreams are online yeah. and working properly, you got to go knocking on his door and say, by the way, that's all broken. You know, there's things that are propped up with uh, sticks and cards and everything. We got to go back and spend maybe two or, th well, it's all relative, but we got to go back and spend around 25% of the time that we've already spent. Yeah. So if you spent 100 hours, you got to spend 24 more hours just going there and cleaning up. Yeah, I guess if it's explained uh, properly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's good in that way because like, like for e-commerce, for example, you're live, you're making money, people are going to check out, they're paying stuff, yeah. they're buying stuff, you know, like, yeah. it's just important at that point. Let's say you do a big push to put something live to production, perfect, you had some shortcut, that's understandable. You, want, you have some deadline to meet and you have to push this on production. But then once it's, on, it's, when it's live, Remember that you have some debt that you have to pay back. You know, like yep. you just bought a house. You just if you open a, a business, a, a shop, just on down on the street. You know, like you have going to invest first, but after some while, you have to pay the bank after that. You know, like no, I want my new features. I want more features. That is the problem. A lot of people, yeah. <laughs> when they get the, the new features, get so excited they want to move on the next yeah. ones. 
without taking a step back and say, okay, what do I have to fix in order to get my next one properly mm -hmm. and not get that debt that in six months I'm going to have to spend two months in refactoring. And then or when rebuild. you change developers in a year, that new developer takes a look and says, wow, Jeez, this is terrible, yeah. right? This is horrible. But what they don't know is that they were never, the original developer was never given a chance to mm -hmm. go back and, yeah. and clean up. And okay, that's a good one. Yeah. And on, on, so sorry, that's a great before, question. On the... On our only RP, we spent over six thousand hours on. Yeah. On which there's probably fifteen hundred that is just refactoring, fixing, yeah. re revisiting. That's great. And that's what Nick has Updating, been forcing uh, me once in a while would stop me and say, "Look, I know you want this feature, but here's twelve tickets that I really like to get rid of before we tackle this yeah. next feature." Yeah. And I also add, just like if you do a feature, like uh, do a post mortem monitor that feature. Mm -hmm. I saw so many times I see people like pushing feature, pushing features like a feature factory and so sure you're making feature but like are they working? Are they making you money? How much you spend on it and then is this, oh, yeah. are you getting something back in return? Because I, I saw some that just like they think like once that feature is done we need more work you know like they, they feel like they've done something and they, they, they want to fill their work time, you know, the, the schedule, mm -hmm. and they want to push more feature, and just at some point, hey, take a step back. You know, you are, are, are they working? Yeah. No, you, uh, you know what you make me think? Is that it's almost as if, if you're going to develop a big feature or do a big sprint, that you should account for that 20, 25% of time for refactoring in it. So if it's going to be a three-month sprint or two-month sprint or whatever feature, then you had some times, you know, it, it's almost as if it, it should be included so okay, yeah, we're gonna yeah. do this, we're gonna deliver it, but also we include two weeks of revisiting what we've done, yeah. you know, refactoring some of the code, and that would make sense this way. And also like if just doing a postmortem and knowing if that teacher work or not, yeah. and you say, hey, you know, like our sales are up like 10%, for example. Share that with the dev team. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. it's just like, so they know they're working on some things like, oh, that works. That you know? result, yeah. No, we have we seen some results, something like that, just so people are aware of and knowing which feature work. And it doesn't matter if a feature doesn't work, as long as you learn from yeah, it. Because they have nothing to cheer on. Like they have yeah. nothing to celebrate about. But so, yeah, it's just like and if you try thing sorry, try to take time to understand how the feature those who, who succeed. How it happened? Yeah. Those who fail, how it happened? Learn from that. No, just learn from that. Mm -hmm. And so the next feature, mm -hmm. you're going to be more prepared and more like yeah. the better way to just push the next feature and have success with that feature. It's better to do one good feature than three that doesn't do anything. Yeah. Good. Good question. Yeah. Great question. So uh, Sanjeev asks from New York. I hear a lot about documentation and how important it is because it caught how important it is because it costs a lot of time and money. I really don't see the value. Ooh. In documentation? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the you developer that's going to work on it is not going to be the, de <laughs> the developer for life. So, you know, it has, you have to think about the next team that's going to take over your project. Yeah. And that's how they're going to be able to look at it. So. Documentation also works for the current developer too, if they have to go back to something yeah, they, they built remember. like a year ago. Exactly. I don't remember what I did a year ago. I, I, at home, for my code bad, I have this Raspberry Pi in my code. Yeah, you document And every it. time I look at it two months after, I'm like, what did I do that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and we're talking about like three, two, three hundred lines of code. That's yeah. all. You know, and I, and I keep 
what, why did I do that? Well, yeah. I don't remember. Is that a real question? Yeah. yeah. No, no, <laughs> Does no, that no. make sense? <laughs> but, you know, like, it's, I would say, like, try to, to try to give it an answer. It's more like, there's some, there's different type of documentation. Yeah. You know, like, as, at first, like, if you, we're talking about technical debt earlier, you know, like, mm -hmm. if you're cleaning your code after yourself, like, like the Boy Scouts, you know, you go in the forest, you get out the, all the trash and bring it back with you, and don't, don't stay there, you know? Like, if you, the code that developer is making, putting some comments, sometimes he's taking some shortcut, but those shortcuts, he's explaining why he's doing that, you know, like, basically, like, the variable names are doing fine, like, are named fine and everything, it's a matter of, like, if the code is mostly clean, it's easier, it's, it takes less time to document because like the code is readable, it can be understood by people. Then there's like how to set up the project, for example. Yeah. Okay, so we should be back on LinkedIn in a few moments. I meant like, I almost feel like that's not a real question because it's okay. so obvious that it's important. Well, it, it, it maybe, it? but at the same time, it's true that I saw that in the past that some clients were wondering why do you why do I have to pay for documentation? Mm. Why why that much time on documentation? Mm. Because it takes time to do documentation. It's a matter of balance, you know. Like it's just like if you take just five percent or ten percent of your time just to document stuff and making yeah. sure stuff is understandable and clean, just like yeah. that's already so much more than yeah, ninety percent of the project, you know, yeah. like. And just so the next day, even yourself, you go in there and just like, okay, yeah, this for what, all the reasons. In that case, it should be uh, um, organic. As you're writing the code, you're documenting along with it. Because once, if you finish writing the code, you say you want to go back to document, that's when that's like, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, it becomes an effort. Like if you, yeah, if yeah. you write a method and at the same time, you just put in the documentation what the, the method is doing and simple like um, things like that, that would, um, it, it, would, it would speed up in that. It goes hand in hand with, with the development as well. Anytime I've seen a disastrous project, yeah. it's there was because no there's no documentation, exactly. there's no comments. Yeah. So that means this person, this time, did not value documentation. Or they didn't know. Or they didn't know. Yeah. Like if, you, if, you're, not, you know, if you're a regular non-developer yeah. hiring a developer. Yeah. But it's like habits, you know, like it's like, it's like if you wake up in the morning and like you go to the gym, you eat well, you drink, you know, like it's, uh, I would say if you develop, it's all that, that kind of stuff. It's just like if you try to keep technical debt not too high, you know, like try to keep things clean, uh, the code is clean, you know, trying to, communication is good with everybody, you know, and then how oh, you push a feature, like we said earlier, like we do a postmortem, but that postmortem is documentation too, you know, like it's mm. what happened with that, you know, learning from those projects. I mean, it should grow over time as you do things, I would say, right in a way, you know. Sure, if you try to write a book, 2,000 pages of documentation, I, I mean, just like, that's another issue, but like, if you try to do things right and just like legit, you don't need, you need documentation, but <laughs> no, it's, yeah. it's not like, you're just trying to find a balance, and if you do a project clean, that documentation will create by itself, you know, because the developer is going to, is going to have the two hours, just like how to set up the project, basically, mm -hmm. yeah. how that database is working, like the, the database uh, schematic, for example, yeah. stuff like that, just have time to do that. Yeah. So, well, so I remember we had one guy in the past that was so meticulous on documentation, and when someone took over, 
he actually came to see me and said, Raf, that documentation is so top-notch that it took me no time to set myself up. Is that uh, Eric Lacasse? Yeah. yeah. Shout out to Eric Lacasse if he's... he's uh, really, he was really good. Right? Yeah. And uh, the thing I wanted to add about documentation is it's like the code refactoring. It's not something you make at first and you forget forever. You need to go back into your documentation and update it. If you do not do that, your documentation becomes useless and you're right. There's no value and you're spending that money for no reason. Oh, so not only is documentation important, but updating your documentation is important. Of course. And a lot of people do not. Yeah. That is a challenging part of uh, development because okay. not all dev think about going back in documentation and updating the documentation. Yeah, and yeah. just to, uh, to add on that, uh, it's, it's not exactly documentation, but also like, um, especially for Laravel um, development, um, what it do is that you have um, what is known as a migration script. Essentially what it does, it, it builds your database. Um, unfortunately, um, when most of the, the project is on production already, um, during the development time, um, during the development, the developers are meticulous in um, getting the, the, the migration script working because of course they need it to run on the production, but as soon as the project is set up, um, yeah. that's it. So, mm -hmm. And then you have cases where um, other developers go into the, the code base, they do the work, they add new fields into the database, they do a lot of things, but they don't update the yeah. migration script. You know, we should, we should make an infographic or something that shows <laughs> the cycle of development yeah. at the base, you know, just a basic one saying that, okay, feature development, refactoring, documentation, and just loop that. Yeah. <laughs> because that's, <laughs> it's, that's it's the reality. A After yeah. each big piece There's of code, of you have to review bases, the code, yeah. you have to review your documentation. Yeah. Am I still up to date? Sometimes, some URL and password changes, and, and you do not update this, then it's obsolete. True. Are we moving to the True. next uh, yes. question, please? Next question, uh, unknown. Unknown. When can you assume you've crossed the junior web developer border and become an intermediate dev? Hmm. <laughs> Your turn. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. So when do you cross from being junior to intermediate? Um, you learn to say no. When you cry the few times. <laughs> <laughs> there you cry the first time? <laughs> <laughs> when, you, when you got into fatal position and cried. <laughs> I said, okay, you just, you just learned it. No, I think it, what determines, for me, uh, this is, is relative to everybody. So what determines your, that you've graduated is um, the amount of time it takes you to, to, to work on projects. Um, junior developer, when I started out, uh, um, Stack Overflow, Google was my, was my friend. Um, I literally had to search for uh, so many syntax and issues, errors that crop up. Um, so many of that. As a, as a junior developer, you're going to experience that. And I think you, so if, you're, if you're lucky, you're in a company that allows you to make, um, allow you to progress in, in those natural ways that mm -hmm. allow you to move to different levels, learn from your mistake essentially. So, um, but you get to the point where the errors that, the, the things that you usually search for, you no longer search for those because of course you've gained that knowledge. Um, you are able to write your code with a correct syntax um, off, off your head um, because you've memorized your code and you've practiced um, the, the format of not copying and pasting code but actually writing the code because it sticks to your memory um, better that way. Uh, you've done that. You've, um, you, you've, uh, you, you find that you're able to uh, picture your project in advance, 
know the pitfalls of where of of um, of what the development process. Is. I think I think I think the real answer is you're you're becoming an intermediate when you stop using Dreamweaver. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but essentially, just to, just to cap that is um, we, you 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 move to intermediate when you're able to. Um, complete applications without having to resort to a lot of the, the tools that you, you, you need to, to help you um, to get projects started. I think for me personally, that is one of the ways you can gauge your level as a developer in terms of knowledge um, yeah. growing up. What's next for Simply PHP? Ooh. What's next? What's next for Simply PHP? Well, honestly, we're trying to get through this uh, coronavirus um, panic. You know, so we're we're working through that right now to make sure that our uh, that our staff is uh, feeling comfortable, because um, as you know, it goes a little bit against our business model to work from home. So we are kind of working working out something there, so that, like I said, so that our staff is going to feel comfortable uh, and safe amidst all this panic. And uh, what's next for us? We're just trying to grow. We're trying to you know always working on ways to add plus value to our clients. I don't want to sound like a commercial, but that's, 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 a, reality. that's a big thing, yeah. The big thing is uh, we know that we grow and we have less trouble when our clients are happy. Yeah. I've never had a client who's super happy give me a hard time about anything, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that, is, that, that to me personally, uh, on, for my role, that is, the, um, yeah. that is the thing that I'm always concentrating on is uh, making sure our clients are happy also making sure that our that our that our staff and our teams are happy and we're always trying to grow we're always trying to improve we just finished a big renovation here in the office um, so yeah we're feeling good about it we're feeling good <laughs> Tony Tony yeah. I'm happy you're happy oh, oh, wow. guys you're hugging we're gonna do everybody <laughs> but you know, you know the, the the thing is is value is something that Tony and I have been focused for years now to bring more and more value all the time. But I think in 2020 we we kind of decided that we would really go all in on that for both mm. clients and, and and staff, the company as a whole. And as a matter of fact, unless it gets canceled because of this hysteria, like we we won't. I mean, we're supposed to go in California to meet with that market is marketing genius for three days. Um, that's also part of it because he's all about value. Business genius too. Business genius, yeah. Plus value genius. Yeah. So, um, so if it goes as to plan, this year gonna be uh, quite incredible. Mm. Awesome. And I, you know what? I'm happy here. Oh, you're happy. Oh. <laughs> Guys, I'm happy too, but uh, <laughs> no, let's do a virtual. Ah, oh, there we go. <laughs> it's up in the back. <laughs> Did we add another question, or we're good for now? We're good. Okay, so LinkedIn, LinkedIn has been an issue, but uh, thank you guys. Thanks, Thanks for thank your, you. your questions.